0: Welcome to Peace by Believing. My name is John Redmond, and I'm the Associate Pastor of the First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about how we can not only survive the storms of life, but how we can actually thrive during the storms of life. In other words, how we can go through some of the most difficult, painful, heartbreaking experiences of life, and somehow through those experiences, how we can grow in our faith, how we can develop in our character, and how we can become the people whom God created us to be. I heard someone say once that, Life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. I don't know if those numbers are exactly true, but I think the principle is so very true, and that is in life, we We don't have control over every circumstance and everything we face, but one thing we can control is our attitude. We can control how we respond to difficult circumstances and even to difficult people. And so on today's program, we're going to be thinking about how we can respond in faith and how we can respond in a way that will position us to not only survive, but to thrive during the storms of life. You know, the fact is... Storms are something that all of us would rather avoid. When we see trouble or we see a problem, we would really rather not be in that. Something on the inside says, Whatever you can do to avoid the storm, be sure to do that. Now, before we even read any of the scripture, I want to just mention four different types of storms that sometimes we get in as we go through life. And I'll just give them a kind of a one word name, but I think. This pretty much encapsulates all the storms of life. First of all, some storms are what I would call storms of correction. Storms of correction. The Bible example here would be Jonah. God told Jonah to go in one direction. He went completely the opposite direction. As a result, he's in, a, he's in this ship at sea. They get in a terrible storm, and God used that storm to get Jonah's attention, to bring Jonah to repent and to get Jonah uh, to doing what God wanted him to do. So sometimes we have problems in life, and the fact is we have brought these problems on ourselves. I mean, a lot of the problems, that, the storms and things we have, it's just a storm of correction. Uh, we've done something wrong, and so now we're kind of reaping what we have sown. A second type of storm would be what I would call a storm of connection. Sometimes we have problems in life And it's not really anything we've done wrong, it's the fact that we are connected to somebody and they're doing something that's not right, and because we love them and because we're somehow connected to them, now, even though they're the ones who are not doing right, we are in a storm. There are parents here, grandparents here, others here who you have a child or a grandchild or a family member or a spouse or a friend, and they're not doing what God would want them to do, and... Yet, because of their actions, you're in a storm. You're going through a very difficult time. And the fact is, there's not anything you can do to change that. It's not like you can say, God, forgive me. There's really not anything for God to forgive you of in that instance. It's somebody else's sin. You're connected with them, and so you're going through that storm. And then there's another type of storm that I would simply call a storm of perfection, Sometimes we go through a storm, and the purpose behind that storm or that problem, whatever we're going through, God is trying to perfect our faith. God is trying to strengthen our character. God is trying to make us into the people that He wants us to be. Now, this story we're going to look at with these disciples, as they got in a storm on the Sea of Galilee, this was the type of storm they were in. They were not in a storm because they had sinned. They were in a storm because God wanted to use that experience to strengthen their faith. Sometimes God allows us to go in the storm for the same reason. And then there is what I would call those storms of reflection, storms of reflection. In other words, sometimes in life, you will go through a storm, a problem, a trouble, and that storm has nothing to do with you. It, there's no sin that God's trying to correct you from. The purpose of the storm is not primarily to strengthen your faith or even to develop your character. Sometimes God lets us go through storms so that other people can benefit with what we're going through. I think the classic Bible example of that would be the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 when he had that thorn in the flesh, this problem that came into his life, and he prayed and said, God, please take it away, and God said, no, I will not take it away, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you, and then finally Paul says, uh, as a result of that, he said, when I am weak, then I am strong, and so Paul has this problem, and he's dealing with the problem, and yet his thorn, here I am 2,000 years later, I'm being blessed by the fact that Paul had a thorn, And so uh, he dealt with that problem in his life properly, and as a result, we have all been encouraged and we've all been blessed. And so just remember this, when you're going through a problem, and I would probably use that checklist to say, God, if, if I have a problem in my life, I would want to say, God, what is the purpose for this? Why have you allowed this into my life? He might tell you, he might not, but you could begin to walk through that list. God, is this a storm of correction? Is anything in my life that you're dealing with me about? Some sin, some problem. God, is it is it a storm of perfection? Are you trying to grow my faith or to develop my character? Or God, could it be that you're just trying, you're letting me have this storm so that if I will respond properly, other people will be blessed? The fact is, the storm has absolutely nothing at all to do with me or very little to do with me. The purpose of this storm is so that other people can be blessed by how you take care of me during this storm. And so those are the types of storms of life. We've all been through probably all of those storms. And so what I want to do in the message, I very simply want to make seven observations about storms right from the text. As we read in Mark chapter 6 about this storm, the disciples in Encountered on the Sea of Galilee. What can we learn from their experience? And so look with me. uh, Well, first of all, let me give you the first one, and then we'll look at the first verse. Just jot this observation down. Number one, storms come to the people of God. Storms come to the people of God. I wish we got an exemption. But when we received Jesus as our Savior, we did not receive an exemption from storms. We received an empowerment to fight through those storms, but not an exemption. Look in uh, Mark 6 and verse 45. The Bible says, Immediately he, that's capital he, that's Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. Now, when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And so, here are these disciples, disciples of Jesus. They're in the boat. They're on the Sea of Galilee. And here comes the storm. Question, did these disciples belong to God? Yes, of course they did. They're the disciples of Jesus. And so, they're in a storm, and this says to me that that storms uh, come to the people of God. We have not been exempted from that. If you think about it, all the way through the Bible, we see the people of God going through storms. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, I could illustrate it on out. Stephen is stoned, Paul is beheaded, Peter is crucified upside down. In the Old Testament, we see people, people of God going through storms. Turn, though, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to see a beautiful example of God's people going through storms. Hebrews chapter 11 is the classic chapter in the Bible about people in Old Testament times who had lots of faith. This has been called the honor roll of faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 33, we read that some of these people were actually spared from going through storms and kind of averted the worst of the storm. Verse 33, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. Man, we read that list, we think, good night. Put me in that group. These people are escaping all these problems. This is wonderful. But look in verse 36. I'm sorry, still in verse 35. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted. They were tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And so here are the people of God going through all these problems. They're poor, they don't have any money. And all these things going on in their lives, and we're left—we're trying to figure this out now. Wait a second, God! Earlier in this passage, your people were exempt. It seemed like they were exempted from some of these problems. Here, later on, they're right in the middle of all these problems. Simply saying, "We as children of God have not been given a pass." from problems in life. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're going to go through life with no storms. All the children of God on one (laughs) level or another have had storms. And the fact is, non-Christians have storms. It's not like you get saved and then you have problems. You're going to have problems whether you're saved or not. The difference is, if you're not saved, you're going to have to deal with those problems without God and you're really going to be in trouble. But nonetheless, there's the point. Now, number two, very important. Storms come to the people of God who are in the will of God. Sometimes we think, man, I'm having all these problems, lost my job. This happened here. Maybe I'm out of God's will or else I wouldn't be having these problems. Well, as I said earlier, Jonah was having problems because he was out of the will of God. These disciples got in a problem because they were in the will of God. Look in verse 45 again. of, of Mark. Go back to Mark chapter 6 and in verse 45 it says immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. He forced them, he urged them to get into the boat. So he says to the disciples, get in the boat, get in the the lake out there, the Sea of Galilee, go to the other side. And they did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And as a result of their obedience, they started having problems. And so sometimes we have problems in life, not because we're being disobedient, We have problems in life because we're being obedient. Sometimes we go through storms because we're right in the middle of the will of God. You say, well, had they stayed on the shore, they never would have gotten in that storm. And that is true. Had they stayed out of the boat and on the shore, they never would have gotten in the storm. But let me ask you a question. Where would you rather be? Would you rather be on the shore, out of the storm, out of the will of God, or in the boat, in the storm... In the will of God. I'd rather be in the storm, in God's will, than out of the storm, out of God's will. So don't always look for the easy way out. Uh, Look for God's will and trust God with the consequences. One of my favorite pastors says frequently, obey God and leave the consequences to Him. And so don't worry about how it's going to play out. Just be obedient, and God will bless you for that. So that's my second observation. Now, the third observation is simply this. Sometimes storms, we go through a problem in life. It's a physical problem, relationship problem. You're unemployed. You're looking for a job. Sometimes these storms wear us down. They can just really wear us down. And we see this happening to the disciples. Look in verse number 48. And I think you'll be able to relate to this. It says, then Jesus saw them straining at rowing. Look, listen to those words. Listen to that phrase, straining at rowing. Now, if you're out in Bible times on a, in a boat, there's no, no, no motors in these boats. And so if you want to go somewhere, you have to row. So there wouldn't be anything unusual about rowing a boat. But it says, in fact, later on in this same verse, it says they were straining at rowing. Watch this. For the wind was against them. And so, this storm is what's making the rowing. They're having to strain. In other words, when it says straining at rowing, something that used to be easy for them to do has now become very difficult for them. They're having to strain. If, it was, if there was no storm, they could just be out there rowing. It wouldn't really be a strain. Now they're in a storm. The wind's against them. And they're having to strain. Sometimes... When a person is going through a storm and that storm persists and it it just keeps on and nothing seems to be changing, that can begin to wear a person down. Sometimes storms, they just linger on. It's like they just won't go away. And that's what these disciples experienced again in verse 48. Look at the second sentence there. Now about the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea and he would have passed them by. So the fourth watch of the night is the darkest time of the night. It's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. And so they got out in this boat. The Bible says it was evening, so maybe 7, 8 o'clock. And now it's 3, 4, or 5 o'clock in the morning. So they've been in the Sea of Galilee for eight or nine hours. And it wouldn't take that long. The Sea of Galilee is not that big. it's, uh, I believe it's about 13 miles long. And about eight miles wide. So you normally wouldn't be in the Sea of Galilee. But that this, they were caught up in this storm. And they were straining so hard to row that boat. That they're in the storm. Seven, eight, maybe nine hours. And it just seemed like the storm was lingering on and on and on and they're just in a situation and it doesn't seem like anything is going to change and I was talking to a friend last night and they were saying to me they're looking for a job they're interviewing for a job they've interviewed, they've interviewed, they've interviewed, they've interviewed and nothing seems to be working out and they're just saying it just seems like this is just lingering on and on and on and they didn't use these words but what they were really saying was I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel well sometimes you can't even see the tunnel and that's just how life can be. And you just feel like, man, this thing is just lingering on and on and on. And no doubt, they were wondering, where's Jesus? <laughs> Where in the world? Jesus was the one who told us, get in this boat. And here we've been out here all night. Where's Jesus? Well, what is the, how does the old saying go? The darkest night is just before the dawn. And it's true. It does get darker right before the sun comes up. I don't know how that works, but it does happen that way. Well, look what happens. In fact, just write this down for the next observations. Sometimes in these storms, see Jesus was coming to them at the the fourth watch at the darkest time of the night, but sometimes we have difficulty seeing Jesus in the storm. Sometimes we're going through something and we think, where in the world is Jesus? Well, it says in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them He's walking on the sea. And notice this phrase here. I never had noticed this until today. And would have passed them by. Literally, that phrase could be translated, he desired to come alongside of. And so here are the disciples, and they're out there straining, and Jesus has been up on this mountain praying, but he's he's, he's watching them all night. He's seeing them out there straining and rowing and in the middle of this storm, And so finally, Jesus said, well, they've been out there long enough, and he comes down from the mountain, and he walks across the shore, and then he starts walking on the water, and it says, literally, he desired to come alongside them. In other words, Jesus, what he he did initially, he came right up next to the boat. He came parallel to the boat, and he wanted them to see. He didn't immediately walk right in the boat. He came right next to the boat. Because he wanted his disciples to see that these waves that were threatening to take them down were under his feet. In other words, the, 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 the storm that was, was taking them under was under his feet. And so he was on top of their problem. He was bigger than their storm. And he wanted them to see that. But sometimes when we're going through a storm, it's very hard to see Jesus. Isn't it easy to go through a storm, maybe in the past, and you look back on that experience, and you say, you know, looking back on that experience with, in hindsight and with some perspective and in retrospect, now I'm able to see what God was doing. And, somebody, and that is true. It's easy to see that all in hindsight. I mean, we've all had that experience. Somebody has said, the providences of God are like Hebrew words. They can only be read backwards you know, the Hebrew language is written backwards. You read it from right to left instead of left to right. Well, somebody said the providences of God are like that. They're like Hebrew words. You can only read them backwards. You can only look in your rearview mirror and reflect on a storm and say, you know what? Five years ago, lost my job. This happened in my life. And I couldn't figure out what God was doing or why God would allow this. And now I'm able to look back on that and I can see that God had a good purpose in mind. Now, we all know when we're going through a storm that there will come a day, either on earth or in heaven, when we'll look back on that storm and we'll say, well, it is so clear to me why God allowed me to go through that now. It makes, it makes, it makes sense to me. But when we're going through it, that's my point, we can't see it. And so that's why, as I've tried to say on many occasions... The little saying, God is in control, remember this, that is your anchor when you're going through a storm. And the quicker that you are able to hold on to that anchor, see, if you're in a storm, you need an anchor. What I'm saying is, if you're going through a storm, you don't want to have to wait five years to be able to say God's got something good. And you don't want to have to wait five years to say, well, God had something good in mind. Well, I mean, if you wait five years, you've kind of wasted five years of trusting God while it's going on. Why not say when the storm first strikes your life, God's in control and God's got a good purpose for this? I mean, if you, the quicker you can say that, the better you're going to be. Now, is it easy to do that? No. It's not easy to do that. Sometimes we have difficulty seeing Jesus in the storm, but the quicker we can say God is in control, then everything's going to be all right. Now, look at number six. I'm going to scoot on through these last two. When we get to the point where we can see Jesus in our storm, everything begins to calm down. And that's why I'm saying the quicker you can say God's in control, this is not an accident. This has a purpose. And God's in control. That's all you have to say. God's in control. The quicker you can say that, the calmer you're going to be on the inside. Look at verse number 49. And when they saw Jesus walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost. See, they didn't didn't know it was Jesus. And they cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Verse 51. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure. And they marveled. So when Jesus got in that boat, and uh, they recognized it was not a ghost. This is Jesus. Now he's in the boat. Things get calm. What does the sixth observation say? Look at it again. When we get to the point where we can see Jesus in our storm, everything begins to calm down. And you just begin to have peace on the inside. And then the last one, storms have a way of softening our spirits. There's something about a storm. There's something about a problem that can soften our spirit and kind of take the edge the roughness off of us and kind of make us, certainly make us more compassionate. In verse 52, it says, for they, that is the disciples, had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. There's something about a storm that will soften our spirits, that will strengthen our faith, that will help us to be the people God wants us to be. As I heard a pastor say one time, he, he said to his congregation, I don't know that he even meant to say it, but he said to his congregation, he said, you know, what some of you need is a good problem. And what he was saying is, for some Christians, a good problem may be the best thing that they ever had. <laughs> because it might, it certainly helps all of us, we don't want to have problems. It helps us to understand that God is bigger than that problem, that God is strengthening our faith, and God will use that to soften our hearts and, and to soften our spirit. I'm saying to those of you who are in the middle of some storm, if you will take these seven thoughts home with you and and apply them to your storm, you're going to find that you're going to be able to see God more clearly in what it is you're going through and you're going to begin to have peace that you might not have right now. God's going to soften your spirit and I'll guarantee you this, 100% guarantee, you're going to come through this storm.
1: Better well, than we certainly don't
0: want problems in our lives. We don't enjoy problems. We don't want to go looking for problems. We're trying to create problems. But the fact is, in life, we do face problems and we do encounter storms. And the important thing is how we respond to those things. And so my prayer for you today, whatever storm that you might be facing, I'm hoping this program today will have helped put your situation in a little clearer perspective for you and help you to understand that God is very much in the midst of your storm. God has allowed you to be where you are. God has promised to bring you through to the other side. And if you will trust God and remain faithful to God, continuing to put Him first in your life, God will bring a lot of good out of the storm that you're now facing. I hope you have a great week, and I hope you'll be with us again next week at this same time and on this same station.